You ever wanted to know what the it factor was? Those things that ridiculously successful people do every day? Guys, this morning this was not going to be the podcast. But somehow I read this article and was inspired. Let's learn about those things that ridiculously successful people do. All that and more in today's Money Guy Show. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. So true story, Bo. I woke up this morning, you know, we started talking about yesterday. We were like, okay, got to record the podcast because you're taking Friday off, you know. Uh, well, uh, I'm not taking it off. I'm working mobily. I'm working mobily Friday, I think is probably a better way to say it. Aren't you driving to Atlanta? Yeah, I'll have access to email. So is your stuff. wife driving the car? No, no, no. You're not working mobily. You're well, taking the Friday off. But anyway, by the time this podcast is released, tax day will be a thing of the past. Thank goodness this year. So I was inspired. I was like, you know what? I come from an accounting background. I'm a CPA. Why don't I stretch that tax knowledge since we're all sick of taxes? Why not do even better since we're sick of it and double down on taxes and talk about how you can take your tax return and use it as a financial planning tool? Uh, this is one of the most fun things I would say that we probably do for clients who ask us to review their returns because it's almost when you've been doing it enough, there's a few things you can just kind of hone in on. And we thought, well, I bet the listeners would like to know what those things are and some of the things to look for, right? Yeah, but you, you weren't, you totally weren't buying into the irony of what I was talking about. I was making taxes sound so exciting. And we all know, truthfully, I probably saved us from ourselves by not doing a show on taxes. It doesn't mean we're not going to do that <laughs> yeah, you're episode really se- You're really setting up weeks. the next episode. Well. But we really, I mean, I did read this, but you sent this out to the entire office. And it's a, I think you found it on LinkedIn. It was from, it was a, a, a blog piece or a, a written up from Dr. Travis Bradbury, who's the co-author of Emotional Intelligence 2.0. But he based everything that's in this, this piece that we're using from Kevin Cruz. Who, Bo, who's Kevin Cruz? Uh, so uh, Kevin Cruz is a uh, USA, uh, US. <laughs> this is, this is just like show prep too. Keep going. Keep going. No, he's a New York Times bestselling author, USA Today bestselling author. He has a number of books out there. And it sounds like what he does is he's a speaker and leadership consultant expert. And so the way that he sort of gathers his information for how to speak about leadership and uh, creating these ultra productive enterprises is he interviews people who have done it well. And I think the the culmination of this article was Kevin was probably doing some research for a new book that he has coming out or for one of his recently released books. And that's what Dr. Bradbury kind of based some of these uh, ridiculously successful, critical things that people do. Right. And, I, and I, look, this is, this is the premise. It seems like this is the formula. And I love it. I love this formula because you think about the millionaire next door. You think about the the... Habits of highly effective people. There's all kind of things where there is a lot you can learn from going and studying what you want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the whole thing of you become what you you know what you eat. You eat what you you are what you eat. Right. So I, mean, I think there's nothing different about the way our brain is structured. Is that if we can go out there and train, consume, and try to get as much information. It can be productive. Yep. And I normally I know we get feedback. Sometimes you guys love it. Sometimes we get feedback saying. Wow, all you did was read an article to me. But then when I read this, I was like, there's like four things I can apply to my own personal life. That when, when I read that, I was like, 
we are, I have to do this. Even though I'm going to basically go over an article and then we're going to add the money guy flavor to sure. it because we are just very, we're very similar in the fact that when you, when you look at how Kevin has presented this, um, and then the way Dr. Travis Bradbury wrote this down in the post, he said, having close access to ultra successful people can yield some pretty incredible information about who they really are. That's us. I mean, one of the things I talk about on this podcast all the time, by the way, this is the money guy show, money. Guy.com. If you want to write the show, you can write me directly, Brian at moneyguy.com, my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen at Bo at moneyguy.com. Remember, we're fee-only financial planners by day. Want to take the relationship to the next level because we do work with clients now in 30 plus states. Reach out to us, moneyguy.com. Got that in one breath. That was fantastic. But here's the thing. We do exactly like Kevin, Kevin Cruz, as well as Dr. Bradbury is what we work with. Very successful people. And when you work with very successful people, you are able to basically see what was the magic sauce that got them that leg up. Mm -hmm. What did they figure out that nobody else around them could do? So when I see a piece like this that kind of tries to bowl that down, I'm like, we got to share this. So that's what we're going to do, and that's what I'm going to jump into. One of the first things I liked is... After you talked about, you know, the, the setup with Kevin Cruz and his research of talking to 200 ultra successful people, seven billionaires, 13 Olympians, and a bunch of entrepreneurs, um, he, he asked this simple question. And this is what I would recommend. If you're at the gym, if you're at, you know, driving to work or whatever, we're going to ask the question. Then pause. And, and pause it and answer it for yourself. And then we're going to talk about some of the, because what I thought was beautiful about this article, I think this is a great way to go about it. Is it was a self-assessment on me. I heard something like, man, I gotta fix that. Or I yeah. gotta change that. I gotta do that better. So as you're listening, kind of clue in on how this applies directly to you in your everyday. So here's the fun question. We're gonna ask the question and then I want you to hit the pause button or think about it. And then Bo and I are gonna share how we answered it because this is the fun game we did to kind of entertain ourselves. The question he asked for, for this research was a very open-ended question. And here it is. Quote, what is your number one secret to productivity. Do you realize how big that question is? Because you're basically, it's open-ended and you're saying, essentially, what made you successful? Oh, now it's a very directed question by saying, what do you do? What's your secret to productivity? Meaning, how are you successful? But asked in a special way. So, Bo, how, how did you answer that? Yeah, so for, for me, the answer was two things. The one thing that I attribute to the productivity that I'm able to produce, uh, both at home and here is, I am extremely organized. That's kind of the way my mind works. I'm a little OCD. <laughs> so that helps me keep things straight. And then Understatement. the other one is, is a little counterintuitive. I thought about what's the number one thing that prevents me from being productive. I, I literally have this written on a whiteboard in my office. At the top of the whiteboard, it says, don't get busy doing nothing. So don't lose yourself in these random ta- uh, rabbit holes and tangents. And I try, try to stay focused, but I think if I were going to be as productive as possible, the one thing I'd be able to do is not get lost doing things that don't ultimately move me towards that end goal. So you're saying stay off YouTube? Probably YouTube is not the best place to spend most of your day. (laughs) So I'll answer the question too of what is your number one secret productivity? The way I answered that was I only am good at doing stuff I'm passionate about. Oh, that's I have a I have a very I'm no different than in the movie Up, the dog that has the collar that lets him modulate his voice and he sees squirrels and everything else. I have very much have the ADHD or whatever. I can't focus, but once I get excited about something, 
I then somehow turn my obscure bouncing around brain into hyper focus. And I think that's, that's what's made us successful with the podcast and with personal finance is I am so passionate about watching people make good financial decisions that it's just fun to flex that. So, um, that's what I answered the question with. I have to be passionate. Otherwise I lose interest. Mm-hmm. Very quickly. That's a great one. And, 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 but it didn't tie in completely to all the answers, but it, it kind of does in a little bit. So let's go ahead and jump into these things and let's look at the responses that they quantified out to this list. So the first thing on um, what is your number one secret of productivity? And these are kind of the, the same thing. If you did this as what's the highly effective habits mm-hmm. uh, of people who are successful or, or looking at the traits from the millionaire next door, those eight principles that he talks about. Here they are. Focus on minutes, not hours. This one was really unique to me because, again, just being uh, true self-reflective, I don't do this. Right. I don't think you do this either. No. Uh, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you think about scheduling out your day, not not just at work, but at work, at home, at the gym, or whatever else. It sounds like from what uh, Kevin found that very very productive, ridiculously successful people. Don't think in half hour blocks or an hour blocks, they get much, much tighter. They, they, they recognize there's 1,440 minutes in every day. And they try to figure out, and the quote that was quoted was actually an Olympic gymnast, Shannon Miller. And she quoted and she said, to this day, I keep a schedule that is almost minute by minute. I don't think I can do it. I think that some people that might be the thing that they, they grab hold of. And, and but it, that's not something I think is – it just doesn't tie into my sure. personality, yep. but I still think it's good advice. Here's what maybe I probably am this way, and this probably ties into my passion comment, is they focus on only one thing. Ultra-productive people know what their most important task is and work on it for one or two hours each morning without interruptions. Don't you think it's interesting they said each morning? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, it, you know, I always talk about with you guys on my entrepreneurial path. How many great ideas come in the shower? Mm-hmm. I think there is something, and that's it, it's talked about later. And there's another thing where a lot of super successful people will want to talk to you about their morning routine, where they wake up and exercise, or they go eat a, a good breakfast, or they have spiritual time where they go and they, they replenish the soul. I mean, it, it is interesting how people who are very successful have laser focus on, on things that they're passionate about. Um, so, so that's something I thought was really good. It's a, you know, and that's where just going on with the article, it says, what task will have the biggest impact on reaching your goals? What accomplishments will get you promoted at work? That's what you should dedicate your mornings to every day. And Brian, we've tried to even do that at the firm. And we, we started this a number of years ago talking to, to new employees, new hires. And this is also written in a whiteboard in the office. And it says, what are you doing today? Mm-hmm. To be where you want to be five years from now, and That's even exactly right. even from a financial perspective, if you know that you want to get ready for retirement or get the kids in college or get out of debt or whatever your financial goal is, what small steps are you taking even today to help you realize that goal? And I think really successful people have the ability to put themselves in that place and mm-hmm. think along those lines. Um, the the third thing on here was they don't use to do lists. <laughs> now I thought this one was interesting, Carter. I, I know you're off off. Off here right now, but what's the, what's the app you use? Evercalendar, Evernote. Evernote is, I think, the one he uses. Yeah. And is that just a running to do list essentially, which has been tremendously effective for you? But I did think that this isn't. I mean, I think that you have to leverage technology, and obviously, Evernote has been tremendously successful for Carter, who's one of our associates and, and right here on the, the front lines of the Money Guy Show. But here's what the the 
the author says about this. He says, throw away your to-do list. Instead, instead, schedule everything on your calendar. It turns out that only 41% of the items on your to-do list ever get done. That's, that's a funny sentence. I don't know if that's true, but... Unless you have Evernote. I mean, because that's what Carter tells me. He just rolls it forward to the next day, which um, kind of makes that thing never go away. But but talk about this effect that they talked about here, Bo, because this was interesting, too. Yeah, it says, so what happens is essentially if you make this to-do list and only 41% of the things are getting done, that means they're 59% of your daily tasks or whatever sitting out there. Well, according to the article, all of those undone items can lead to stress, can lead to staying in the back of your mind in the middle of the night. And, and by the way, that happens to me. I know if there's five or ten things that I haven't done, when I lay down, you know, kiss my wife goodnight and put my head on the pillow, I, my mind just starts racing. Um, and it says that this is all uh, according to a psychological principle known as, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation <laughs> I'm here. I'm sitting here smiling in anticipation. Uh, the Zegernick effect. Uh, which in essence means that uncompleted tasks will stay in your mind until you finish them. So basically, and you've heard this expression before, they're sort of living rent-free in the back of your mind. And it's hard for you to be the best you if you have all these things in the back of your mind. So he's saying rather than make a to-do list and push them forward and push them forward, it might be more productive to schedule the calendar, I'm going to take care of this thing from 8 to 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning, and then do it. Yeah, and I think it also ties back to the psychological impact of I remember when I first started my career, before we had the Palm Pilots, which have transitioned into <laughs> the, the Treos the and, then tra- and then tra- you know morphed into the, the iPhone and so forth, I used to just use the yellow sticky notes. Oh, yeah. And in yellow sticky notes, here's the problem with yellow, yellow sticky notes, is that you have this to-do list and you're marking through it, but then somehow it gets under four sheets of, you know, four stacks of papers, and it's lost. And that, and that can freak you out because it's something that is what wakes you up on a Tuesday at three in the morning is you realize there's something on that yellow sticky nut note that you never got to scratch through. And that's what you're worried about. You're going to let stuff slip through the cracks. It is so true. And I think this is where Carter is onto something, even though they are quasi to do list because sure. it's leveraging technology, because you're able to essentially put that on your calendar and, and have it roll forward. You can put it on a list and then let it out of your brain. Yep. And that's, that's really the, the psychological thing is that we're constantly going over a list in our head at all points, trying to make sure we don't let something slip through. And the brain, as brilliant as it is, it does have, it, it's like Swiss cheese. So stuff, <laughs> stuff slips through constantly. So you can take the stress out of the situation if you can come up with a process of not letting things slip, slip through the cracks. And that's why I think the calendar is such a powerful yep. tool or Evernote or any, uh, any of the other technology that lets you leverage that. Um, so, so that's a cool thing. They beat procrastination with time travel. And I was like, when I read Whoa. that one, I was like, what does that mean? You know, and, and it's not Michael J. Fox or anything like that. It's your future can't, self can't be trusted. That's because we are time inconsistent. We buy veggies today because we think we'll eat healthy salads all week. Then we end up throwing out green rotting mush in the future. How often does that happen? I felt like he was talking to me specifically. I felt like he was looking in my kitchen when he said that. It says successful people figure out what they can do now to make certain their future selves will do the right thing. Anticipate how you will self-sabotage in the future and come up with a solution today to defeat your future self. I only work out if I have people that are going to work out with me, (laughs) because I am the easiest person to talk myself out of doing something. How often, I mean, how often does it happen that you set the alarm to go work out? But if you're only working out with yourself, you wake up and go, ooh, 
you know what? My body probably would be better served if I got an extra 20 yep. minutes of sleep. Yep. You know, that, that working out, it's great. But that extra 20 minutes, that's what my body needs yep. right now. However, if I know I'm playing racquetball or going and doing a workout with somebody and I know they're going to show up at that gym, I'm going to show up. And it's that accountability that lets you beat the procrastination. Because I think that is a human nature thing to push stuff off. Especially when you're tired or, or fatigued, you, you cope very easily. That's a human coping mechanism. And so we see this all the time in the financial planning oh, world. Oh, for sure. it's easy. There are tasks that you just don't want to address. You keep Estate pushing Estate planning, wills. All of that stuff. And so what, what's the way that you Life can... Life insurance. You can beat your future self? Diversification. Put the date on the calendar. If you know that you need your state doc, you, I'm sorry. Keep I, I, going. I feel like I feel like we're you know we're kind of <laughs> rapping something here, and I'm the background vocal of your rap, just naming all the financial things that we see people no, procrastinate. And, and so we just came through tax season, right? So a lot of people, when do they think about their taxes? Oh yeah. Oh wow, April fifteenth. Let me go grab my shoebox. Why don't you on your calendar or on whatever your Evernote system is that you're using? On February 28th, you go get all your tax documents. Put on your calendar, spend two hours, compile them all, and get out in front of it. Same thing if you know you need to update estate documents. Go ahead and call the estate attorney and put the date on the calendar. Even if it's six months out, they'll do it. Put it on the calendar. There are ways that you can protect yourself from kicking the can down the road. You, you mentioned taxes and procrastination. You know, this morning, our bookkeeper called me to ask me a question, and I said, you know, we're about to wrap up tax season. Isn't that awesome? And she goes, oh, my God, Brian. Because, you know, by the way, we're recording the show right before the tax deadline, guys. You know, I know you won't hear it until after it's all over. But the thing is, is that my bookkeeper, and I remember when I was doing tax preparation, she was like, you wouldn't believe how many people are calling me and asking me to work on their December statements just now in April after I've been talking to them. So I think it is definitely human nature that we put off what we don't want to do. And nobody likes doing taxes. Nope. So, and it's the same thing. You nailed it with the financial planning. Um, I like this one because, and you can, you can internalize this for your own life, but they make it home for dinner. It says, Kevin, cause Kevin Cruz, um, first learned this one from Intel's Andy Grove, who said, there is always more to be done. More there should that should be done. Always more that can be done. Highly successful people know that they they that they value what they value in life. Yes, work, but also everything they. Uh, God, I am totally butchering this thing, Bo. And this was a great <laughs> quote. So let me let's do. I'm going to hit redo. All right, go for it. I, I don't care if our listeners get to hear it twice, but there's always more to be done. More that should be done, and always more that can be done. Highly successful people know what they value in life. Yes, work but also what else they value. There is no right answer, but for many, these other values include family time, exercise, and giving back. They, on purpose, allocate their time to those resources. And I think that is such an important thing. My mentor out of Columbia, South Carolina, you know, she runs one of the largest fee-only financial planning firms in the Southeast. Cheryl, Bo, how many times when, it, when we've ever worked with Cheryl, does she always make sure she goes home? Absolutely. I mean, has dinner, yep. and then she'll come back to work because she only lives, you know, a few miles from her office. Mm -hmm. But um, she always goes home for she dinner. Makes time for family stuff. And, and Brian, you you have been tremendous for me as I've kind of advanced in my career, starting from the beginning and kind of kind of working through it. To always remind me, you know, this stuff is fun. What we do, we love what we do. But yep. it's it's easy to get sucked into this. It's easy to want to do more and want to, you know tackle these additional tasks and conquer these additional goals. Uh, and you've always been fantastic for me saying, hey, slow down, enjoy where you are now, drink this up. It will disappear know. in no time. And uh, and I think that's incredibly valuable. And I think 
very productive people don't allow themselves to be so motivated by productivity, they end up living a life of regret. I mean, it makes me think, and this is, we didn't talk about this in, in show prep, but we have a couple clients. They're a little bit older. Um, he's essentially retired, but somehow, even though he retired, the second side hustle he started is actually more successful than any of his <laughs> careers that he had before he retired. And, but him and his wife, you can just tell they love each other. Yep. I love meeting with this couple because they, you know, it's one of those love stories. You can just tell they, they thoroughly enjoy each other's company and she wants him to fully retire. So that she can spend more time with him, but he loves work in a healthy way. I yep. don't think it's a bad thing. So we have come up with, because I think guys, you know, I've shared this so many times on the podcast is that I think experiences are what should really be not necessarily the things, mm-hmm. but the experiences you get to do with the loved ones that whether you're going on a trip, whether you're planning something where your family all comes in town for a family reunion yep. and, and you're organizing it all. The experiences are the things we get to keep. So I talked to them. It sounded like we had this, you know, it's almost one of those old fables where you have a love affair, you know, this love that's going on, but you have one that wants one thing and one wants the other, but both things make them happy. Right. So I thought the compromise I threw out to them, and they said, you sure you're not a marriage counselor? <laughs> I said, why don't y'all come up with a five to seven year travel schedule? That way... You know, you get more time with him. He gets to continue because he controls the flexibility of his right. schedule because he now runs this company. And and they loved it. I mean, and that's the thing. I think you have to make a priority what is important in your life. And if you know, and, and that's the thing because you want to make sure you're nurturing those things because you don't get to take the money with you. So make sure you're focusing on the important stuff in life. Um, I thought this one. Now I'm going. I'm going to totally pick on this one a little bit because we can modernize it. Because I've already told you I used to have sticky notes that then turned into a Palm Pilot, that then turned into a Treo, that then turned into an iPhone. You know, there is an evolution to the way you do things. The way the author put this is they use a notebook. It says Richard Branson has said on more than one occasion that he wouldn't have been able to build Virgin without a a simple notebook which he takes with him wherever he goes. In one interview, Greek shipping magnate Aristotle Onassis said, always carry a notebook, write everything down. There is a million-dollar lesson that they don't teach you in business school. Ultra-productive people free their minds by writing everything down as thoughts come to them. So I envision somebody like Taylor Swift probably walks around <laughs> with a notebook too. So every time she comes up with a song lyric, she scribbles it down. But you know what? That's the great thing. What does your phone have on it? It has a notes application. Mm-hmm. You remember, I don't know if you guys have seen, there was a, a an article one time that showed like a, a, a Radio Shack ad from the 1980s that had, and, it, and then it said, your phone will do everything that is on this page, this advertise, Sunday advertisement for Radio Shack. And this is the reason Radio Shack is not around. I think this is the next evolution. You hear these guys talking about, um, you know, whether it's Aristotle Onassis or Richard Branson, these guys, for sure, the notebook. But we have our own notebooks. Yep. We walk around. There's a reason that younger people don't even wear wristwatches anymore is That's because right. they use their phone as their as their timepiece. So, I mean, I think that that is a great note in the fact that you should have something you can keep your journal, keep your notes so that you can get those brilliant ideas recorded for you. Yeah, the way that I do this, and this works for me, it may not work for you. It depends on how you, how you run your personal systems. I, I I do a lot of uh, socializing here in the city of Nashville. I'm involved with a few organizations, kind of just trying to get out there and get more involved in the community. Well, I'll meet someone and I'll, you know, catch their name and catch what they do. And there might be some unique connection we make. I always try to make sure as soon as we part ways, open up my phone and shoot myself an email. 
just real quick, hey, I met this person, this is what we talked about, this was the follow-up item. So that way, just like you said a second ago, you can get it out of your mind, Yeah. and then you can kind of move on to the next thing. And, and not let stuff slip through that, the cracks. It, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's a solid system. This next one hit me pretty hard, Bo. These next, these next two or three actually hit me pretty hard, but this one especially, because I am, remember the squirrel, the dog with the squirrel, they process emails only a few times a day. Oh, my goodness. Thank God my <laughs> wife does not listen to this podcast because she would totally bring this one and club me over the head with it. Ultra-productive people don't check their email throughout the day. They don't respond to each vibration or ding to see who's in- intruded into their inbox. Instead, like everything else, they schedule time to process their emails quickly and efficiently. For some, that's only once a day. For others, it's morning, noon, and night. I'm horrible at this. I feel like that this thing is is totally slapping me around a little bit. I'm I'm got bruises from that one. So, because I I am guilty of having my cell phone out at all times, um, I'm gonna work on that because I think that there is something to that. You know, th- today, Bo, we knew we had to we had three things we had to get done. One of them was this podcast. I had some phone calls for another endeavor I'm involved with come in. And I just told you, I said, I'm not going to return those calls until tomorrow. On, and it's nothing with my clients. I don't want anybody to think that's not a client <laughs> experience. It's a, it's a distraction that I have on something else that, that I'm working through. Yeah. But um, I thought this next one was good. Plus, it has a Mark Cuban quote in it, which is always makes things entertaining. Shark Tank. Um, they avoid meetings at all costs. <laughs> it says, when Kevin asked Mark Cuban to give his best productivity advice, he quickly responded, never take meetings unless someone is writing a check. <laughs> Wow. Spoke, spoken like a true shark. Yeah, spoken like a guy who's worth a billion dollars. Meetings are notorious time killers. They start late, have the wrong people in them, and then they meander around their topics and run long. You should get out of meetings whenever you can and hold fewer of them yourself. If you do run a meeting, keep it short and to the point. Oh, my goodness. There is so much to be said with this. You guys know, I mean, I was I was involved with local government for a dozen years that, I think that's the problem with government is it is all meetings. Yeah. I think it, the, the, the fewer meetings you have, the better probably. Sure. And especially make them punctual. I mean, I think there is something is just assume everybody you're sitting in a meeting with does have attention deficit problems so that you can get through it and be as productive as possible. I thought that the Mark Cuban quote was awesome. Here's another one that I think is brilliant. I even said this today because, you know, y'all, you guys hear me talk about Gabe all the time. Gabe is actually getting married. By the time you guys hear this, he will actually become. He's joining the club. He's going to be part of the secret society where we can show him the handshake of what happens to married men. And um, I thought this one was funny because you'll hear the quote in a minute that I told him to say. I don't think he's going to do it, but, but it's still pretty cool. It says, they say no to almost everything. Billionaire Warren Buffett once said, the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And then James Altucher? Is that Altucher, a, I believe. Altucher? Okay. Altucher sounds cooler. Um, colorfully gave Kevin this tip. If something is not a hell yeah... Did that sound cool enough? That sounded really cool. Hell yeah. That's it. It's a no. That's Think about how powerful that is in itself. Remember, you only have 1,440 minutes in a day. Don't give them all away easily. This is almost full Seinfeld, Brian. You said that the thing that makes you the most productive is feeling passionate about that that thing that you're pursuing. Exactly. That's that's the hell yeah thing, right? The thing that you feel most we, are by the, the things... way, if we keep saying that, we're gonna have to put the E on this episode. <laughs> so let's 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 trim that down a little bit. It's making me it's making me bothered that that's gonna be recorded. 
You never know when the, your, your in-laws or something if you listen to a show. Fair enough. So, that's, so say no to almost everything. But I did tell Gabe to answer his wedding vows with a, Do you take this the H-E crooked letter, crooked letter. See how much better that sounds? And then my, then my mother-in-law can listen to it. That's how it should have been written. So they follow the 80-20 rule. Bo, I watched. By the way, guys, if you go on YouTube and type in the Pareto principle. Mm-hmm. That's that right, Bo? The Pareto fr- principle, I think. Pareto. You know, you're part of the country. That's what they say. Pareto principle. Guys, that's what the 80-20 rule is. You can, you can lose a few minutes of your time just researching that. But in most cases, 80% of the results come from only 20% of activities. This all comes from interesting. That comes from the early 1900s. An Italian economist recognized that 80%, I think it was the wealth or productivity of the country, was coming from 20% of the people. Huh. That's where that principle comes from. And now they've realized, I mean, it's, it, you think about taxes, sure, you think yeah. about your economy, you think about GDP, you think about, it, there's so many things that happen in life that the 80-20, you hear about in business. Mm-hmm. People will say 80% of your revenues go come from 20% of the, the people. I mean, it's, it is amazing how that concept works. So you need to take that knowledge and understand that ultra productive people know which activities are driving the greatest results Focus on those and ignore the rest. Yep. You know what I noticed when I was going through this piece, Bo? Just like you talked about me with the passion and then saying no to almost everything. A lot of this stuff is interrelated. Mm-hmm. It's no different than saying no to things, to realizing hyper-focus on that 20% that's going to give you 80% of the results. Do you see how that's all married together? Yep. They're all saying the same thing. They're different parts of the same circle. So, so really important. And this one rolls right into it. So even though they're separate rules, they're all related to each other. They delegate almost everything. Ultraproductive people don't ask, how can I do this task? Instead, they ask, how can this task get done? They take the eye out of it as much as possible. Ultraproductive people don't have control issues. And they are not micromanagers. And in many cases, good enough is, well, good Good enough. enough. I mean, that's one of those things that, Bo, I think hopefully you've caught on working with me for as long as we've worked Mm -hmm. together. You've told me recently, this is probably in the last three weeks, you said, I didn't appreciate... Until, you know, as I've grown in my career and, and work with people, how when you were giving me stuff, delegating stuff before when you knew I could do it faster and quicker, but I was still giving it to you, there is value in the delegation. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, that's really the only way you have your people grow in to become the people you want them to be is by letting go of tasks. But also, when you learn the art of delegation, mm-hmm. man, does it free you up. And it's liberating. If you can be one of those people that truly can walk away from something and let somebody be accountable and grow upon themselves and get the task done for you, it lets you leverage your talents even more. I think it's so interesting, Brian, especially in what we what we do for a living. You know, we speak to a lot of uh, either kids coming out of college, or we actually speak to some high school students, right? And we kind of tell them what we do and what it is we help people with it. And probably about once every two or three times I give that talk, someone will kind of raise their hand and they'll say to me, wait, wait, so, okay, so you work with millionaires, and you're a financial advisor. Right. Why does a millionaire need a financial advisor? They know how to handle money, right, right? Right. Well, that's not uncommon. A lot of our clients are fantastic with money, but they recognize that their time, energy, effort can be spent better somewhere else. Um, it's kind of making sure that you're focusing on those things that really allow you to be the best you and focus on the things that allow you to focus on that 80, you know, that 80% of stuff and that it, really matters. And bringing this thing completely full circle, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. So you better hit the things hard that you can control. And if you can't do a good job with it, get somebody that can. That, that's really the success for it. Um, 
this one hit me hard too, Bo, because I told you, there's like three things that I grabbed from this article. I was like, I need to share this with as many people as I can who can hear it. Is they touch things only once. How many times? And I've done this today. I read an email that came in when I shouldn't have been checking my email as much as I did. And I immediately wrote a response because I didn't want to let something slip through the cracks, occupy my brain. So I touched it only once. But listen to this. They only touch things once. How many times have you opened a piece of regular mail, a bill perhaps, and then put it down only to deal with it again later? How often do you read an email and then close it and leave it in your inbox to deal with later? I do that so much. Highly successful people try to touch it once. If it takes less than five or ten minutes, whatever it is, they deal with it right then and there. It reduces stress since it won't be in the back of their mind, and it is more efficient since they won't have to reread, reevaluate the item again in the future. When I did the 16 years I did tax preparation, Bo, I would come into work. What I found was successful for me when I was doing taxes was to try to wake up at four or five in the morning, go into the office, and get to work before everybody showed up. Because do you know how impossible it is to try to do tax preparation while you're taking phone calls, while you have people coming and asking you questions? You need complete focus if you're going to do the great work. And when I read this, they touch things only once. How often does that happen to us? You'll start working on a spreadsheet. Somebody will call. Somebody that, That disruption in your focus will probably impact the final product. So yep. so to make sure you structure things so that you can knock them out, be as efficient, and then also re- re- just keep the stress out of your head. That, that's the really powerful thing for me. Um, and this, this ties full circle. They practice a consistent morning routine. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but it's bringing it back again. Kevin's single greatest surprise while interviewing over 200 highly successful people was how many of them wanted to share their morning ritual with him. While he heard about a wide variety of habits, most nurtured their bodies in the morning with water, a healthy breakfast, a light exercise, and they nurtured their minds with meditation or prayer, inspirational reading, or journaling. Mm-hmm. Guys, that, that's not by accident. I mean, I, I have a tremendous number of clients that that's what they talk about. I mean, there's a reason that you see a lot of churches catching on to this trend, that they will do you know, a Tuesday or Thursday morning um, where they'll have somebody inspirationally come in and talk to the, you know, the men or women of their, of their congregation. And they, why do you think meditation is so powerful? There's something about taking time to nurture your spirit. And why do you think exercising in the morning has such a huge metabolic benefit mm-hmm. to you? I think we're wired for some of this stuff, guys. So, so make sure that morning routine reflects who you want to be. And then we're closing things out here, but it, that we, we have two other things that was saying energy is everything. You can't make more minutes in the day, but you can increase your energy to increase your attention, focus, and productivity. Highly successful people don't skip meals, sleep, or breaks in the pursuit of more, more, more. Instead, they view few, food as fuel, sleep as recovery, and breaks as opportunities to recharge in order to get even more done. Early on in my career, I was notorious for this. If I was super busy during the day, I would just skip lunch or I would go get, you know, go get drive through and come back and sit at my desk. I've tried to make a very intentional effort not to do that anymore because I think you do need that break. You do need that time to kind of recharge. Um, that makes just all the sense in the world to me. And, and, and kind of expanding on that, Bo, I've been in the workforce now for over 20 years. Good gosh. <laughs> oh, man, that hurts to say it out loud that, you know, because I remember when I used to try to figure out when you read a bio and you, you, you'd like, the day I get to say I have 10 years of experience, because that's like legit that people are going to take me serious because I look so young. I don't know that I look young anymore, but now I get to say I've been working for over two decades in the field. 
you do recognize if you're not taking vacations because it, it is easy. Not, I don't want burnout is a word that's used way too often, but there is ruts you get yourself into where you get into these routines where you're doing the same thing over and over again. I like to take a trip or two a year and get me a good audio book or a good, you know, traditional reading book that I download on a Kindle and then read because Man, if you can reset yourself, just reset yourself, I find that you come back that much more spirited and the energy level is tremendously higher. So make sure you're taking those times. I remember, I think it was Bill Gates for every year would disappear for, for a week or two and go and, and I think he went to the same cabin and kind of would come up with his focus for way the Microsoft was going to move forward. I know that Steve Jobs had a very similar routine, that he would do things. I mean, for goodness sake, before Steve Jobs became who Steve Jobs is, I mean, he went on a whole self-discovery thing over in India, mm-hmm. you know, part of a new age type you know, thing that was big back then. I think there is something to that when you can kind of focus your energy on, on just trying to make sure you, you fine-tune, do you really know yourself? And, and, and that's a powerful thing, so I think that brings it full circle. Um, kind of closing out, it said, bringing it all together. You might not be an entrepreneur or an Olympian or even a billionaire, even though you want to be, but in their secrets, you might help you to get more done in less time and assist you and stop feeling so overworked and overwhelmed. I mean, Bo, how many podcasts have we gotten from LinkedIn in the last two months? It's I mean, wild, man. I will tell you, and that's why we're going to give a shout out to old Dr. Travis um, Bradbury. We'll, we'll make sure we send him a link. Maybe you can do it on, on LinkedIn or something, Bo, yeah, just sure. after we publish this so he can know. It's things like this. I mean, I, I know whenever we write blog posts or, or we do something for U.S. News or, and then, or the podcast and somebody says, man, what you did impacted me. That's powerful. And I, and I hope he, you know, Travis will appreciate that we, we really like this and I like the research that Kevin Cruz has put together because these are the type of things if you can emulate and copy or benchmark. I hate the word copy. That sounds so negative. If you can benchmark these activities in your own life, it can make you successful. And guys, I, I don't say it enough, but if you hit that successful part, take your relationship to the next level. In 30 states, we love doing this. You can tell this is a passion for us. I think nobody who listens to this for an extended period of time this is really who we are, Bo. I mean, this is this is what gets me excited is about talking about personal finance, making sure you are stretching your dollars as much as possible in your back pocket, you know, restoring order to your financial chaos. And then a lot of you come from other shows. You know, maybe you go listen to somebody who's helping you get out of debt, or maybe you, you, you found us because you were listening to a podcast on a consumer advocate, and then you saw us down there, you saw the icon for the Money Guy show right down there on, on there. Welcome. You know, we know that we're graduate work for some other shows that you've graduated from them and now you want to go a little bit deeper. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the iTunes comments. Thank you. We, I mean, we're getting emails from people who listen to us on iHeart Radio. Yep. Stitcher's always popular. I even, there's a new one, SoundCloud. I mean, yep. we're getting stuff from people there. So however you connect with us, we do not take for granted why this show is what it is, why we have over a decade of experience of broadcasting and trying to do this restoration of your personal, you know, restoring the chaos or actually fixing the the chaos and just going beyond common sense. So thanks, guys, for listening. I'm your host, Brian Preston. We'll talk to you in about two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. 
Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.